Bridges the City. Welcome to Bridges City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. And my name is Benjamin Rangel. My name is Kyle Hagee. And I'm Sam Woods. Today we have the second of four interviews with gubernatorial candidates. Uh, this was before you joined us on the podcast, Sam. What a lonely time it was. <laughs> but Kyle and I sat down with Tony Evers, um, and Sam's provided a lot of support for the editing on this episode. Quick shout out to the Greater Milwaukee Foundation for hosting this interview. Yeah, and if you don't know what the Greater Milwaukee Foundation is, make sure you educate yourself. Wonderful organization whose mission is to inspire philanthropy, serve donors, strengthen communities now and for the future generations in the wow. greater Milwaukee area. That's incredible stuff. Yeah. Our interview, like others, covered a wide variety of topics, but much of it was centered around criticism Tony Evers had of the incumbent, Scott Walker, and how he believes his experience as state superintendent separates him from the rest of the Democratic field. As you know, Bridge City is releasing a series of interviews with candidates. Since the pool on the Democratic side is very crowded, we want our listeners to be informed and engaged going into elections on August 14th and November 6th. Yeah, so put it in your calendar. As always, if you have an issue or topic that you'd like us to ask future candidates on the show, reach out to us and let us know on social media, or you can email us at ben at bridgecitypodcast.com or kyle at bridgecitypodcast.com. I don't have enough money in the budget to get Sam an email. So you can also donate. Yes, please. <laughs> Please. Poor Sam, help him get his own email account. <laughs> Our ultimate hope is that something said inspires you to action this election season, encourages you to reach out to friends, family, and neighbors to get them involved as well. All right, Ben, that was great. But now let's hear from the actual candidate. Tony Evers, uh, I'm presently state superintendent of the schools and also Democratic candidate for governor. Been state superintendent now for the last, uh, been won the last three elections, uh, elected in 2009 and then re-elected in uh, 13 and 17. The reason I'm running really is about education. I mean, clearly I think education uh, connects with all sorts of other topics, but uh, uh, I'm just extraordinarily frustrated and and disappointed in the incumbent's uh, record in uh, education, public education in particular, K through 12 and uh, higher education. I'm on the University of Wisconsin Board of Regents. I see what the policies that uh, he's embraced uh, hurting not only um, elementary and secondary ed, but also higher education. So that I realized uh, that I'm not going to be able to change it unless I'm governor. And so that's why I'm running. And uh, you know, as I said before, education uh, trans- translates into economic development and natural resources and all sorts of other areas. But I'm doing it because of my passion to, about public education and how important it is to the future of our state. Knowing that your expertise is in education, how confident should voters be that you are qualified sure, and, and expert sure. in other areas? Yeah. Important? Well, it's I'll use uh, use this as an example. Is education is uh, is so important? Uh, the last three general elections, a million people voted to uh, increase taxes on themselves through referenda uh, and for public education, and so half of those people voted for Donald Trump. And uh, so I think there are some issues that kind of. Um, thread the needle uh, that that aren't necessarily Democrat or Republican issues, are just good issues. Education being one of them. Uh, natural resources is another one. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Madison in zoology and chemistry, 
And so I know the science piece and uh, I understand how important uh, natural resources are to our, uh, our way of life in here in Wisconsin. So those issues are important to me as well as middle class issues and a lot of the middle class issues deal with making sure that people have the appropriate education and training in order to get middle class jobs. So I think it trans transfers almost into any other area. You know, transportation might be one that's like, oh, does that make, is it, am I connected to that? Well, I, I get the issues. I've been in state government now for uh, uh, nine, 17 years. And I understand how transportation issues impact education and that we compete with dollars for them all the time. And I understand that our transportation policy pretty much sucks, and so we have to change that uh, going forward. So I, I'm well-versed in all areas, but I think the thing that's important is of all the Democrats in the field, I've actually been in charge of something, uh, whether it's a school district or whether it's a, um, a school building, a state agency now I'm in charge of the uh, education of 860,000 kids. That type of experience allows you to understand all the other issues that you're talking about. So saying that you've been in the state government now for 17 years, mm -hmm. and obviously have lived in Wisconsin your whole life, have you seen a recent shift in kind of what Wisconsin is about? And and if so, what is your vision for the future yeah, of the state? That's an understatement. It, mm -hmm. it has changed dramatically, not for the best. Scott Walker came into office talking about dividing and conquering, which means he wanted to pit public employees or teachers or college professors against others. Well, I can tell you that didn't work. And uh, the reason that we have so few people looking for jobs in the public sector now is because of his, his deciding to pit their welfare against others in the, in the state of Wisconsin. So we're gonna, we have to change the, the dialogue in the state. We, we not only have to value people's work in the public sector, but we also have to, you know, having been born and raised here, natural resources are important. Our oil is our water, our water source, whether Lake Michigan or whether it's lakes in the middle, middle of Wisconsin. And there's no way that Governor Walker can say that he spent any time protecting the environment because essentially, when you look at environmental issues and business issues, you try to balance the two uh, when uh, things are done for economic development. Well, right now, it's all around the business and the things. And as a result, we apparently don't care about how much water we take out of the, out of the earth in central Wisconsin where lakes are drying up. We don't care about the fact that uh, Milwaukee and Buffalo County have lead pipes where kids are drinking water that's worse than Flint, Michigan. Apparently, we don't care that the people in uh, Kiwanee County, a third of their uh, wells are polluted because we can't figure out how to get rid of cow poop. I mean, those things are part and parcel of the legacy of our state. We have to change this. And I would argue probably the biggest thing that I've seen change as far as the dialogue is the University of Wisconsin system. It usually has been viewed as the main economic engine of the state. It's usually viewed as something that we have pride in in the state. That is gone, we, you know, with, with, with the declining support. Right now it's less than 15%. UWM was, a t was determined to be the tier one research institution recently. Mm -hmm. 
with the way that people are leaving the university from the professor ranks, they're going to be lucky if they keep that this one time. We have to invest and value those things, and we have not. The Wisconsin idea, as you remember, Governor Walker tried to change that uh, through through the budget process. I mean, holy mackerel, if you can't get behind the Wisconsin idea, I don't know what you can get behind. One thing that you alluded to earlier when I mentioned that from Racine is the Foxconn mm-hmm. plant. Attending like uh, events surrounding the upcoming election, a lot of Democrats are like just concerned in general, mm-hmm. concerned about the realistic probability of like the amount of jobs that they're going to provide, yeah. the environmental impact of the plant. But I'm also concerned as uh, to what power the governor, whoever is elected, can mm-hmm. actually has in yeah. terms of changing anything, not yeah. even though you know the contract has been signed, so to speak. Talk a little bit about what the governor can or Perfect. cannot do Perfect. to... Change. Yeah, we can all sit back and say, oh, God, we hate this. It's a Hail Mary pass. It's too much money. All those things are true. Um, and the idea that somebody is going to walk in the office and change that on day one is, frankly, baloney. That's not going to happen either. So let me talk about assuming that's going to happen. First of all, there are things that we can require that we have not required. I believe if there are going to be production jobs there, and that's questionable, but if they, they do have production jobs there, they should provide transportation from north side of Milwaukee to south side of Milwaukee, Racine and Kenosha to that plant. There's a reason that a lot of people don't have jobs or are underemployed is because they can't get to the damn jobs. We have, If we're going to give Foxconn $4.5 billion, we should be able to require them to and we can. We, those things are negotiable now. We can say we're going to hold up on the money until you do this. Second thing I would encourage and, and hopefully compel is that we're building this plant, and they're building one in China that is the platinum category, which is the top category. It's, it's like going to be 11 Lambo fields wide and long. Why don't we put uh, require them to put solar cells on the, on the roof? It's a big enough area you could provide electricity to 33,000 homes. Why not compel that? Why not compel them to pay a living wage and also leave for parent-teacher conferences and things like that? Why can't we compel them, and I believe we can, to be an extraordinarily good employer? As long as we're putting $4.5 billion, which I think is a low-end observation, we should be able to say, here's the strings that are attached to that. Instead of saying, you can make, you don't have to follow environmental regulations and you don't have to do this. I think we should say, you have to do this. You have to do this for your employees. I think that's a fair thing to do. Another thing that I think Democrats or everyone has been noticing is this urban and rural divide mm-hmm. in American politics. And I think it applies to Wisconsin too. Having grown up in Plymouth and lived all over the state. What do you see as policies that can help maybe revitalize some rural areas or rural communities that haven't seen the economic growth that maybe they've been promised by politicians in the past? Several things. One is, um, I think transportation, infrastructure issues are important for both, and I'll talk about it in terms of rural, is if you travel in rural Wisconsin, in many um, municipalities in northern Wisconsin, they're removing the blacktop from the road and having them converting them to gravel roads because they don't have enough money to fix the roads. 
I mean, think about going back to the future. Right? Yeah. It's amazing. We're we're going back forty or fifty years, unfortunately. So we have to have we have to have infrastructure increases. What we what I would do is invest in infrastructure, and that helps that helps Milwaukee infrastructure as far as removing uh, uh, lead pipes, to fixing our roads up north to make sure that they have uh, a good transportation system to get their their products to market. But more importantly, I view infrastructure as um, one of the things that's not considered infrastructure is internet. We have to make sure that every every place in the state of Wisconsin get get 100 megabytes of uh, broadband. And that is important, not just for living up north, but if we want up north uh, and our rural areas to have good economic development, we can't, if they don't have internet, they're not gonna play in the, in the economic development game. So that's critical. Plus, expanding internet creates middle-class jobs, and maintaining that has middle-class jobs. And that is important for Northern Wisconsin. And I wanna shift uh, back to education, sort of where we started. Can you put the governor's policy on education? You just like put that yeah. in, a, in a clear and concise way for our listeners just sure. to get reminded. Yeah, in 2011, he took a billion dollars out of the public education system. And frankly, that $2 billion, almost all of it came directly out of the pockets of the people that work in, in the schools and, and public services in our state. The tools that he created for um, uh, local and re- regional uh, agencies and public uh, public uh, organizations came out of people's pockets. They didn't like magically appear someplace else. So he took $5 billion out of the system. And uh, this year he actually took my budget. That's an exact, almost exact budget that I proposed. And when I proposed that budget, I thought this is minimal. And so he's running around saying that we're back to normal. We're not back to normal. We aren't anywhere close back to normal. And, you know, I get it, it's good politics, but I think people think, see through it. Uh, as I said before, over a million people in the state voted to increase taxes on themselves. I mean, that's why he's doing this. He's seeing a million votes out there, right? And uh, so, no, people, people aren't gonna believe it. And the context is, we're not back to where we were before. So we've talked a lot about Scott Walker, yeah. but as we were talking about before, obviously there's a lot of Democratic candidates running. Right. Uh, so you mentioned you're, you've actually been in charge of something yeah. and your expertise. Is there anything else that really sure. sets you apart from the other candidates? Yeah, I'm the only candidate that's run and won statewide. I won statewide three times, and the last time I won 70 or 72 counties and 70% of the vote. No one else in the field has done that. Frankly, my day job takes me all across the state, and it always has. And uh, so... My name recognition is much higher than any other candidate, and uh, I don't believe their record can match mine as far as successful, successfully being a, a statewide uh, uh, constitutional officer. There's a reason Scott Walker has taken me to court, and uh, we're, we're in the Supreme Court again. I won a case against him a couple years ago with Judge Gableman actually writing the opinion for me. Two years later, they're taking me back to court and the same for the exact same issue. The only thing that's changed is there's a different judge on there. One of the judges that was with me is now gone. They put a new person in. So they're doing that. And on top of that, they're not allowing me to use my own attorney. 
and I'm being represented by the Attorney General Schimmel, who is also, by the way, on the other end of the, uh, the doing the prosecution. There's a reason that's happening. They don't want me as their candidate. They don't want to, they want to spend, have me spend all my time spinning my wheels uh, in, in court. That's, it's not going to stop me. People see through that. It's an, an amazing, amazingly stupid uh, circumstance. So I was reading an article about this today, and it, it literally like kind of sounded like an SNL skit with like yeah, no kidding. one attorney representing both sides and all this. Can, yeah. can you just explain maybe just for my own purposes what really the lawsuit is about? It's about dealing or with putting forth and writing administrative rules, which is an important part of my job. Frankly, it's not the most important, but it's an important part of my job. I'm a constitutional officer. Other state agencies are not independent like me. And so when they do administrative rules, they're doing them on behalf of Scott Walker. When I do administrative rules, I, I do them on behalf of the children of the state of Wisconsin. So that they viewed as, a, as something that they wanted to have control over. They lost once, now they're back at it again. The number one topic that voters are concerned about is healthcare. Mm -hmm. And we haven't talked much about healthcare, yeah, so right. I just would Good. love to hear your yeah. thoughts thank, on thanks healthcare. For, thanks for bringing that up. We have to take that Medicaid money. That's absolutely critical that we do that. That's going to help not only individuals that um, uh, are middle class and poor. I mean, that's that's a middle class issue. And I talked about infrastructure being important, creating those new jobs. Having more take-home pay is also more important, is important. And having Medicaid money in the system that's going to lower our, our rates uh, for the Affordable Care Act will help the middle class. It's also my proposal that anybody that earns less than $50,000 a year should not pay state income taxes. I think it's important to give those people the ability to take home more pay. But yes, healthcare is exceedingly important, whether you're young or old. The only other topic that we've discussed in the past with candidates would be criminal justice reform. It's well, it starts with, it starts with uh, the laws that say three strikes, you're out. It's, it, it actually, I'll give you a small example. It starts with not having, one, one issue that, that concerns me in my day job is making sure that young people have driver's education so that when they do drive, they have a license. Not having driver's education does not stop young people from driving. They get picked up, they get a ticket. They picked up again, they get another ticket. All of a sudden, they're sitting in the county jail because of driving offenses, for God's sakes. So first of all, we have to change laws that take away the ability of judges to make some decisions. We have to make sure that we have alternative programming for those that don't commit violent crimes. That we can see that any state, we can see that in Texas. The state of Texas does a better job than we do as far as incarceration. They, they have alternative programs for people. The third thing we have to do is we have to carefully look at how revoking parole uh, impacts people. I mean, people are going back to prison for not committing any crimes. Think about that. How would you like to be in that position? The other, the other one that clearly is a problem is juvenile justice issues and uh, what's going on in, uh, up north at uh, Lincoln, Lincoln County. I mean, my God. Um, Scott Walker left that place at war for seven years. That's crazy. We have to find a better, we have to bring those kids home, closer to home where they have access to their parents and their family to support them and uh, provide more treatment, better treatment. Right now, they're warehoused. Just think about that, young people being warehoused. 
It's crazy. So anyway, there's a lot of things we have to do differently, but we have to start with changing laws. One other thing I think some voters may be worried about is if a Democratic candidate is elected as governor, that the state legislator is still going to be controlled sure. by Republicans. Yep. How do you see yourself, if you were a governor, working with uh, Republicans to pass the agenda you've mentioned? Yeah, yeah I can do that. I've, I've already done it. I've worked with uh, Republicans on, and I'll use uh, vouchers as an example. Um, I've worked with the voucher community. I'm viewed as anti-voucher, but there are some bells that are not going to be unrung. And I've worked with the voucher community to increase the transparency and accountability to so that everybody knows what's going on in all schools in the state that are publicly funded. I can do that. I believe that there's easily several areas where we can find agreement on with Republicans, especially transportation. Robin Voss talks about increasing the gas tax. Well, that's not a half bad idea. Uh, if we want to fix things, you have to have the money. So I think I think there's some issues immediately that we can do. I worked with Republicans uh, ever since I've been in office. I, we've uh, we've had re Republican majority, so I get it. Uh, we we won't agree on everything, but certainly I will be laying out my agenda, my budget agenda, when I do my inauguration. I we're going to have it prepared so that people understand exactly um, what's going to be uh, my my priorities going forward and. We can start the discussion. Uh, so you uh, have a long career in mm -hmm. government. What is your most proud accomplishment? I would say my, my most proud accomplishment is the fact that we're finally beginning to close some achievement gaps in the state. The achievement gaps in the state are horrendously large and frankly shameful uh, that uh, we're in this position. But we are working with people like Darian Driver and, and others across the state finally beginning to close those achievement gaps. We've got a long way to go, but we, we, we're making uh, progress in the right direction. You know, if I could say that's my work alone, no, but certainly our work as a department with uh, school districts in the state have been very positive. The other thing that uh, I'm very hopeful about, too, is that people, actually the Milwaukee Journal ran, ran a series of articles this summer on the impact of poverty on, on trauma uh, for kids. Mm -hmm. And having people begin to understand how important that is and how important it is for us to invest in early childhood education so that we can overcome those traumatic instances that kids that are born and raised in poverty. I'm not talking about physical trauma, it's, a, it's the emotional trauma of living with mom and dad both having three jobs and you know getting shuffled around a different caretakers, that's a bad deal for kids. So we, that's the other thing that I'm very happy about, that we're understanding that problem. The podcast is a lot about action steps too, yeah. not just information. So if our listeners, uh, once they listen to this, are really passionate about what you're talking about, they'd like to maybe help the campaign, how would people go about doing that? Yeah, TonyEvers.com is, is the place they can go. And they have to understand, too, that I'm not, this isn't just public education. This is about not only education, but it's about the middle class, making sure we protect our environment, change the transportation system, all the things that people are concerned about, and frankly, valuing the, uh, the Wisconsin idea.
One thing that stuck out to me from our conversation with Tony Evers was how a lot of it ended up rolling back to education. And I think that is a testament to his experience and knowledge of the education field in Wisconsin and the state of education. I know Governor Walker has been one of the more controversial governors, and a lot of the controversy has centered around education. So many voters might go into the 2018 election with that at the top of their list in terms of important issues. So in my eyes, Tony Evers is one of the most qualified and well-versed on the topic and it's something that he's clearly passionate about. I think Tony brings up a good point when he mentions name recognition. Unfortunately, name recognition does mean a lot in politics, and certainly Tony has developed this recognition through his work as state superintendent. When you're analyzing what candidate you want to vote for, a factor to consider is how effectively they are getting their name out and connecting with voters across the whole state, not just voters here in Milwaukee or elsewhere. The turnaround from the primary to general election is so quick in Wisconsin that name recognition starts to play an even stronger role. That is why the work that organizations such as Wisconsin's Choice Campaign and part of our mission here at Bridges City uh, is to give candidates the platform to increase their recognition so they are ready for a general election if they are to win the primary. So a great resource is the Wisconsin Choice website. It's wichoose.org, wechoose.org and you can familiarize yourself with all the candidates and learn about all their positions on the issues and you can help increase the name recognition of the candidates you like. You can also participate in their online voting to determine the people's champion of all the candidates. And obviously you can keep listening to Bridges City and basically you'll be the best voter of all time. When talking about Wisconsin's former identity, Evers touched on how public education used to be valued highly and that Wisconsin used to be able to rely on attracting businesses with its steady supply of talent rather than through direct deposits of taxpayer dollars. I imagine that getting back to this model is important for many voters, particularly those who will be voting for a Democrat in the primary on August 14th. With his background in education and experience as state superintendent, Tony Evers is in an excellent position to articulate a path for returning to a more pro-higher education growth model for the state. While other candidates may be willing to promise to redirect dollars into public education, Evers should be the candidate who knows exactly how to navigate a return to this Wisconsin idea. As always, thank you for listening to Bridge the City. And let us know what you thought of the episode, or if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes, you can contact us at ben at bridgecitypodcast.com. No, no, don't email Ben. Email me at kyle at bridgecitypodcast. <laughs> he doesn't even know his email. So email Kyle, me. kyle at bridgecitypodcast.com. We do want to thank Casey Masters for the music, Sam Woods for the sound editing, Ryan Flynn for logo design, Ashley Benson and Molly Moore for marketing and communication support. One last reminder, the primary is on August 14th, and that's just around the corner. So please make your voice heard. But don't stop there. Take your friends, your family, hell, take even complete strangers to the polls so we can have a candidate that all Wisconsinites want. Thank you for listening. And as always, please let us know how you have helped bridge the city. Bridge the city.